0: If you are not 18 years or older, go away. This is not for you.
1: Hello, and welcome to another episode. Thanks for downloading, and thanks for spreading the word. Oh, by the way, a new feature on the show. This is probably going to be a, a one-time thing, but uh, we have our very first movie review. Okay, so we're in Times Square, and you just said, <laughs> "Have you seen the Transformers movie?" Lately? I said, "I said no," and you said, the, "There's nuts
0: everywhere. I swear to God, Optimus Prime has cock and balls." <laughs>
1: <laughs> so yeah, that's good That's always nice that's, uh, That was my friend Ayla, who you can actually hear in a previous episode, by the way If you dig through the archives Today, talking with my friend Sarah Eileen Who you may know from A Place to Draw Blood Laughing A great blog You can check that out Bloodylaughter.com And uh, as these uh, things usually start I ask about uh, biographical information
0: yeah, I was, a, I was like a bookworm and I was very quiet and I didn't have a lot of friends and I didn't really talk to people and I really didn't like social situations or parties. It was very awkward. So, um, and Ren Fairs, speaking of Ren Fairs, were sort of the way that I came out of my shell.
1: Um, so you know that just hearing the phrase Ren Fairs <laughs> makes me giggle.
0: <laughs> Why?
1: Because Ren Fairs, in my mind, Again, I've never been to one, mm-hmm. and you should totally feel okay being on the defensive, because it's totally an ignorant thing for me to say what I'm about to say. But Ren Fair's in my mind, is one level higher of geekiness than a comic book convention.
0: I concur. And oh. it's, one, it's probably one level below being a LARPer, and I'm a LARPer too. What's a LARPer? Live action role play. It's like D&D in costume. Wow. Oh, it's fun. Renfairs were sort of the the thing that brought me out of my shell from being a very, very reserved, very, very quiet child who was convinced that she was ugly and no one was ever going to want to sleep with her. Um, Although I was younger, so it wasn't really framed in those terms, I suppose. Um, And Renfairs were were less of a a kink awakening for me and more of just a sexual awakening, just being able to go around... Dressed to the nines, and have men say that I was beautiful, and want to want to probably do awful things to me, considering the fact that I was underage. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> oh well, I mean, I started going to Renfairs when I was in high school. But the thing is, at Renfairs, at a Renfair at at a place like that, this is something that is true across many geeky cultures. Beauty is something that's much more openly acknowledged, and it is something that's much more. I almost want to say valued. Oh, well, I'm not really sure about that because because that's sort of a that's sort of a, um, a dangerous thing to say because I but I think that the scene has the scene is very eager to and and is very eager to and LARP is very eager to and geeks find beauty in people and 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 encourage people who want to feel sexy or feel confident or feel like they belong in a world when they usually do 't And that was very much me i didn't really belong in in the world that I was growing up in socially i mean I, I loved a lot about it, but I didn't have a lot of friends and the friends I had were all we were all geeks together and we didn't really have anywhere we could go and express that part of ourselves and rent and Fairs for me that was that was what it was that was the, and that was it and I, so I, I was a uh, there were a couple summers there I was going to a fair every weekend, which was great whoa yes
1: so you ate a lot of turkey legs. <laughs>
0: Actually, only eaten a few of those turkey legs. <laughs> they're good, but they're a little much for me. <laughs>
1: um, so, where? How did you go from uh, from rent fairs to BDSM? What's the?
0: Well, I didn't. I mean, I don't know. I'm a little bit wary about connect about pinning my identity as entirely
1: focused around BDSM, as I am much more interested in in. A lot of different things. Well, this this is a BDSM podcast, or this is a sexuality podcast, but it does have, you know.
0: I would want to say that my sexuality goes a lot beyond BDSM, especially uh, since that, so that's something to keep in mind, I think, for this. Okay. How did I go from that to the sexuality I have today? Um, Well, I mean, like, they didn't have anything to do with each other necessarily. Uh, I continue to have friends at Ren Fairs, and I continue to. Go to them when I get a a chance And I have found that a lot of people who are at Ren Fairs Are also queer or kinky or poly or something Um, But um, no, I came into, into alternate sexualities Which is not just being kinky It's also being queer and being poly And being, to some degree, being gender fluid I'm not really qualified to speak about the connection between sexuality and gender fluidity, I don't think. um, A dry.
1: Well, you're qualified to speak on your own.
0: That's true. Um,
1: In fact, you're the utmost expert (laughs) on your own sexuality.
0: (laughs) That's true. Um, No, I really... What happened was I went to college and, um, you know, in New York. Was so excited to be living in New York, but I moved to New York for for the Broadway shows, for the theater. Um, And... um, Got involved in Conversio Virium, which is Columbia's BDSM discussion group. Very academic group. Very much you go and you talk about your sexuality and you talk about different different aspects of it. It's very um, very fun. Has a lot of good people. And um, you know had some random experiences like um, made out with a girl at dance and sort of had this shocking like revelation of oh my gosh I like girls. <laughs> 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 um, and and things kind of developed from there. Like I'm not necessarily sure that the the geekiness and the Renfair thing. And I mean, like I was also the vice president of the science fiction society and all sorts of geeky stuff. But I got a lot of my confidence from from that part of my life, from being able to be passionate about things in that way.
1: But uh, there's also um, you mentioned earlier about about um, I can't remember exactly how you put it. Hmm. Uh, even though I wrote it down, I didn't mm-hmm. write it down correctly because I was too busy. This is what happens I'm too busy listening instead of typing. <laughs> um,
0: I didn't know you were taking notes of what we were talking about. Well, when I was typing.
1: I think, I'm, I think I'm writing an
0: email. I thought you were writing emails while you were talking to what me.
1: What a dick thing to do. I that's know. Do. I wasn't going to say anything. I was making a good note about this interview. Like, well, you I'm, you know, honestly think that I are sitting there like... Mm-hmm, really? The, oh, yes, really? But that's I thought you were doing that. Dear so-and-so, I'd yeah. like to return this box of Wheaties that I purchased, not a fortnight ago. No, no, that's not. <laughs> um, what aren't some of the bigger problems you, you see? Well, Hanson? what are we going to call the scene? Because the scene is,
0: I could say the scene and I could mean, you know, a very small portion of the people in New York who are out, or I could say the scene and I could mean, you know, the online fetish community. Well, well they, let's know. talk
1: about the whole kit and caboodle. Oh, man. Boy, that was the nerdiest thing I've said. (laughs) Let's talk about the whole Um, schmear.
0: I think that the scene has, if we're talking about the kink scene, I think that there are economic boundaries for people who are young or not well-off to try and go to events and to try and, you know, gain weapons and gear. (laughs) Um, uh, And I think that that is, to some degree, a problem. But I also think that that is inevitable when people try and make things into an industry and sex in every capacity is an industry. That's kind of the way it is. And so I find it unfortunate. And I want there to be more avenues for that to not be the case. But, you know, I don't think that the, that the scene will ever become free. I don't think that that will ever happen. I think that people will just have to find new ways to get the things they want and to see the events they want and to go and to gain the information they want. And that's one of the reasons Kink for All is exciting.
1: Well, but you mentioned uh, like mm. some of the equipment and stuff like that. <laughs> but I, I, I don't imagine mm. uh, that anyone uh, would, if you said, oh, if you said to someone, would you like to play? And they are interested in you. Mm. And I can't imagine them saying, oh, you don't have toys? Well, now never mind.
0: I mean, no, but toys help. And, and people have interest in toys. And toys are not necessarily just something that, that makes a scene better. To- toys are also, you know, a kink to some degree. Mm. Um, and they're fun to some degree. And also, I I, um, I mean, like, I've collected my toys over a long period of time and, um, and tend to make a lot of them or get them from people who are incredibly talented. Like, I have an insanely talented metalworker friend uh, at Clockstone Studios, by the way. Everyone should go. <laughs> um, who has made me a knife and makes me most of the things that I poke people with. And, and I, you know, make corsets, so I don't really have to pay for making a corset or something like that. <laughs>
1: you make corsets. I do.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I like things. I think things are interesting. And I will spend money on, on sexual things the way, same way that I will spend money on books. You know, because having a better book, having a better uh, something, cock, piece of rope, whatever.
1: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> do you think the internet has uh, helped or hurt, the you know, uh, Oh. I don't,
0: I don't, I don't think the question is relevant. <laughs> um, the internet is, yeah. like, the, whether the internet has helped or hurt the scene. The internet has completely changed the scene, and there's no way to tell whether it's for better or for worse. And as far as I'm concerned, I like the fact that the internet is part of the scene, and I wouldn't have it any other way. The reality is, the internet is a part of the way. That we communicate, and a part of the way that we live our lives on the internet is advancing the leading edge of communication about everything, including sexuality. And it has to be a part of the scene, and I think it's a good thing. I think anything that, that means more information, anything that means more connections,
1: is good. But it also means more douchebags.
0: There are know? there are always going to be douchebags. There are always going to be people who are annoying. Like, look, I get that people bitch and moan about the fact that the scene is full of people who are assholes. Frankly, the world is full of people who are assholes, okay? And there are losers everywhere, and there are people who are socially awkward, and there are people who don't know how to function in social situations, and there are people who will say shit that's not true. <laughs> that's All the not time. True. Everywhere. Like everywhere in every context, okay? The same the same annoyances in uh geek communities, the same annoyances in academic communities, mm-hmm. the same annoyances in business. I don't I mean like people think the scene has more the scene brings out brings this out in people more. I don't think that that's true. I just think that you know people just bitch about it more. <laughs> because well here's the thing like yeah, I know. I I have met a lot of people through the scene who I think are, are creepy or who I'm like I don't like you. I don't want you around or or you know you're you're, you're approaching me in ways that're socially awkward, but I've also met amazing people through the scene. I've met my best friends. I've met Uh, people who are changing the world through sexuality and through education and through community work and if those people benefit from having internet connections with other people who are like them, long live the fucking internet Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) Sure, sure I I, I definitely see what you're saying You mentioned being uh, attracted to people who are more masculine or at least identify as male Mm -hmm. Um, and you're dominant Mm -hmm. Is that because you like to overpower something that's maybe a little bit more powerful than no. no
0: I mean like that's a common um it's a common uh, thing and I can see that and like that's sort of a sexy thing to play with the idea of overpowering someone who's much more powerful than me. but that's really not that really doesn't interest me I there is this this trope of the idea that dominant women want someone who's powerful and dominant outside the bedroom so they can overpower them in the bedroom and that's really not me I really like people who are I mean like it's a scale I like people who are forthright and who are confident and who are fun to break down and who are fun to, to play with, but I don't have any particular fetish for, for men because they are stronger than me. Also, I mean, you know, people listening to me can't tell, but I'm not small. Like, I, I'm, i you know, 5'9 and, and weigh more than most women weigh and, and I'm strong that. Well,
1: I'd say you're strong. You're strong, but <laughs> I'm,
0: I'm, I'm not. My point is, I'm not a small woman, so the idea of overpowering someone who is larger than me is is interesting and and fun. And I have dated men who were who were larger than me, and that was a fun game to play. But I don't need to do that, and I don't have any sort of fetish for that kind of masculinity that people think of that way.
1: Uh, this reminds me of a conversation I had very recently
0: mm-hmm.
1: with someone. Uh, it started off as a FetLife post uh, mm-hmm. talking about uh, dominant women who have a thing for dominant men and how they fantasize about dominant men, and um, and then and I mentioned I of course I in the, in the post said boy that really sounds great for the submissive guys out there that's really you know good mm-hmm. for us woohoo mm-hmm. well enjoy have you know have fun with those dominant guys and then I ran into the person who wrote this post <laughs> and she said well you don't understand she said. uh, if I'm playing with... And she mentioned the submissive that she's playing with most often. Mm-hmm. Uh, who is... Uh, n- let's just say not a strong personality, right? Okay. She said, if I dominate him, that doesn't say anything about my dominance, she says. You know, that doesn't say anything about who I am and doesn't... That, that's, no, that's no test of my power as a dominant woman. If I dom- uh, overpower a dominant guy... Then that is a sure sign of my power and my control and all that. Um,
0: I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to speak ill of your friend, um, but I don't. I don't think that's true at all. I really
1: don't think that's true
0: at all. Uh, it, it's not true for me. How about that? I think that if you're playing with a submissive man who is confident in his own submission and has standards and is passionate about his sexuality, him submitting to you is a gift. Is something that is amazing and is something to be valued and treasured and respected and taken as a sign of respect and power.
1: There are a lot of submissive guys who don't feel very confident about their... I mean, spotlight. you know,
0: that's that's okay. And, and to some degree, you can I, I will still play with people like that, absolutely. But the idea that, 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 that because the fight is predetermined somehow the the result is less valuable I don't I don't like that idea because for one thing I would rather the fight be predetermined. I'm always gonna win I don't go into fights I'm not gonna win I just don't (laughs) Um, because I have no interest in losing and I have no interest in having a question of me losing I just am gonna win that's the way it is Um, and I have topped dumb men before actually quite a bit
1: um, um. But I, I, never, can, I just saw your memory go. <laughs> ding, 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 okay, can, you, can of, you can see the odometer of dominant men. You. But like,
0: ding, but ding, not, ding, because, ding, not because ding. not because there was a fight involved, not because it was a test, not because it was something that we were challenging each other to try and do. I've topped dominant men because I am very close friends with dominant men who have at certain times in their lives wanted to be topped and find out what that's like and I am willing to do that and so that in, and that is something that I find really remarkable I think that's something that's amazing that I'm proud of that I can give those things to my friends but like do I count those experiences as more valuable than my experiences
1: with people who would
0: be submissive to me no no
1: this is why you're an enigma wrapped in a question <laughs> block, surrounded by
0: <laughs> mystery <laughs> mystery. <laughs> mystery
1: um you are—you put a lot of thought into not just your sexuality, but every aspect of your life. You yeah. seem to put a lot of thought and a lot of there's a lot of introspection going on there. I would hope so. And um, being around you makes me feel really stupid, to be honest. With you. Oh, that's awful! Oh no! Um, well, I mean, <laughs> that's not my intention. Right? No, no, no. no. Not, uh, not that I feel stupid. <laughs> okay, let me rephrase that. Being around you makes me feel like I'm really not putting a lot of thought into a lot of things in my life, you know. Well, you don't have to. No, 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 I no, mean, no, no, no. You know. <laughs> um, no, I, I, never. There, there, there have been a few people that I've met. You're, you're included in this group uh, that I, I've thought, boy, they really put a lot of thought into their sexuality and stuff like that. Whereas uh, I'm very binary. In, I'm very binary in my sexuality. The, that makes me hard. That doesn't make me hard.
0: <laughs> well, I think one of the things that I'm I'm newly... One of the identities that I am newly embracing, speaking of changing identities, is that I am a sex geek. I find sex really interesting. I find sexuality really interesting. I love to geek out about why things make us feel the way they feel, and I love to ask people why their desires are the way they are, and, and you know, and... How sexuality affects our culture And I, f- I find that fascinating I think that's really, really cool And so, you know, part of that is Part of that introspection Is that I'm genuinely really passionate about that And that's similar to writing and reading I'm generally really passionate about writing and reading I'm, I'm a lit geek And so I will think a lot about those things um, But it's also that I take, I take Self-awareness very seriously And I think that it's Important for me to know what I'm doing and and try to understand why I do the things I do and try to understand how I feel and and what I want and that that makes my life easier. And I, you know, to some degree would like to see that in the people that I am involved with. I would definitely like to see that from people that I'm in relationships with. It's also helpful in people I play with because being being able to geek out about the sex we're having or the dates we're going on or the play we're having... It, it helps me.
1: Yeah, but this is... But actually, the question I was going to oh, ask... <laughs> sorry, I went sidetrack. No, don't side no, no worries. The question I was going to ask is, let's say you're about to play with someone, mm-hmm. or you're thinking of playing with someone. Mm-hmm. Do, you, uh, do you go into playing with someone having thought a lot about that person and how you want to play with them? Or do you... While you're actually playing with someone, you put a lot of thought into what you're doing? Or... <laughs> Do you really only think about it that much until after the play is done?
0: Huh. That's interesting. Um, I. It's hard to... You can't really plan how you're going to play with someone is the first part. So, like, I can think a lot. I think a lot about my partners. Like, when I'm, when I'm going to play with someone or when I'm in an ongoing play relationship with someone, I think about them a lot. And I think about the things that they like and I pay a lot of attention to things that they like, which is one of the reasons I like having ongoing conversations with my partners is because I'm always picking up little things about them that I can that I can remember and use and and make our sex lives better with. <laughs> um, um, so, uh, sort of all of them, maybe. Like, I think a lot about my partners before I go in, but I try not to make a lot of assumptions about how we're going to play. Because I don't know. And then I think a lot about the scene while I'm in the scene. And I pay a lot of attention to people when I'm in scene. And I, I like I'm very focused on my partners when I'm in scene. I tend to not... I tend to not like kinks that place my partners away from me, which is one of the reasons that like, I haven't pursued some kinks that are interesting but that haven't really like sparked, sparked me to really pursue them like service um, and other things. So I pay a lot of attention to people when I'm in scene and think a lot about the scene itself and think about the dynamics of the scene and think about what I'm going to do and what I'm going to say. and. I, and, you know, this is going to sound insanely geeky, but I, I think there's a sort of an artistry to making a good scene. Um, and so I pay a lot of attention to that, to to how things build and how I am putting the experience together. Um, and then afterwards, I will usually want to talk to the person about what their reactions were. And I'll I'll be happy to share mine, especially if I had a strong reaction, especially if I didn't do well or if, if I'm sort of confused about something. I'll want to talk to them about it or i want to talk to someone about it but I'll be much more interested in hearing what the other person wants and what the other person thought because that's the feedback that makes the next time better.
1: You you mentioned how putting a scene together is a lot... is an art form uh, for you. And um, I've never... I mean,
0: like, that sounds so ridiculously pretentious, but to some degree it's true.
1: (laughs) I've never never thought about that. I mean, even... um, I guess I've never... Thought of it that way, uh, of it, you you actually have something in mind of okay, you're going to start out this way. It, you don't just go from your gut the whole time, or.
0: I mean, I play things by ear, and I try and be very fluid in scenes, and I tend to not plan scenes out, especially with new playwrights, as I was saying, because lots of assumptions there. Um, when I do plan things out, it's usually like a basic framework. Like I want to go in this direction or I'll be much more likely to plan things out if I want to do role play or something like that. then I'll take a little time to like set up props or whatever. Um, I, it's, it's interesting because it's not the sort of artistry that you can, you can really talk about, but it's, it's sort of like the, the hope of being a really, really amazing lover. Like I, I, I think sex is something that you can improve through skill. And I think scenes are something you can improve through skill. And the only way to get better is to practice and to think.
1: So maybe uh, when after you've explored being single a little bit more, you'll talk with me again and we can... Or yeah. even we can just sit down after you've got your new apartment you and just sit down and just record some stuff and sure. talk. And
0: Sure, I would love that. I'd be happy to.
1: Um, and I also want to get detailed stories about orgies at Renfair. <laughs> so, <laughs> There's only one story. Well, uh, yes, but still, you know... That's still, I'm sure, I mean, as many details as you could give, that's kind of still... Oh,
0: we'll see. I don't really have the permission of the people who were there.
1: What, was the guy dressed uh, as a mythical creature? No. No? No. Okay.
0: No, he wasn't, the... he wasn't really dressed. It was an orgy.
1: Okay. Well, uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. What's the, what's the uh, hawk half, uh, what am I thinking of?
0: I think you're thinking of something that's not a Ren fair. There aren't many mythical creatures at Ren fairs. So there are some fairies other than that.
1: There's no uh, unicorns? He was a knight. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm. Um, Well, thank you so much for sitting down and talking with me. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thank you again to Sarah, and thank you for listening. So, what's coming up on the next couple episodes? Well, here are a few slices of uh, interviews still to come.
0: Oh my God! It's this mecca of beautiful men. I've i I found the land of milk and honey, and then I realized they were all holding
1: hands. And then I was very sad. When I played uh, uh, doctor as a kid, I, I kind of knew what I was doing. You know, um, you know, it was like I used to make my own little speculum when I was about, you know, probably about eight. It was okay. I, I re- How would you make cardboard? That was Mistress Sod and Dove, two people who are on deck for future episodes. Uh, So we'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.